Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. younger people, and that's a great thing. But bless the Lord, this is the word on Wednesday, and I am glad you are, all of you are out there today as we continue pressing to the end of Second Samuel. As many of you know, we have been studying this, First uh, and Second Samuel, as a matter of fact, for well over a year. I think we're probably 14 months or so. I know that not many people do um, continuous studies like this because of uh, the fact that it's sometimes a long study like this is really draining to people. And folks are not used to reading the Bible um, in the way that uh, that I do it because I believe that in order to um, get into the proper context and understand what God was saying, in those times, you have to read the whole thing. You can't. I, um, you can't go from topic to topic to topic and ever get a um, a real understanding of what this word is all about. And so, I choose to uh, go through the Bible in a rather linear method. I also choose to, um, as I'm teaching, make sure that. Uh, I don't go off in a direction that I shouldn't go in, but instead uh, staying true to meaning. And I think that's really, really important. I think we ought to, you know, personally, this is just me. Personally, I think we ought to be doing more of it, and then we'd have less confusion concerning what the word says. But anyway, that's just my opinion. Um, Let's have a word of prayer, and then we're going to dig into the word tonight tonight. the title of tonight's lesson is Stand Your Ground. Um, so let's pray. Eternal God, our Father, it's in Jesus' name that we come to say thank you. We thank you for all that you have done for us. We thank you for revelation. We thank you for application. We thank you for illumination, how you teach us how to apply this word to our lives today, and that your word is an everlasting word. Your word isn't like, it just doesn't come and go, but it accomplishes its purpose. It accomplished its purpose in the past. It accomplishes its purpose today, and it will accomplish its purpose in the future. And so we thank you for that. 
Lord, now as we go into your word, we pray that you would be our preacher and our teacher, that you would lead and guide us, that you would take control of my mouth, that you would fill me with your spirit, that your word, the words that come forth would bring life to the people. We bless you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. As usual, I want to stop for just a second, and, and for those of you who are first-time listeners and for those of you who, or especially those of you who don't know Jesus, who are not saved, who can't say that if I died today, I am sure that I would be with the Lord forevermore. I want to tell you the only thing that's stopping you from from being with the Lord forevermore is um, you not taking the gift that he gave you. God gave us the gift of his son that we could have everlasting life. And when he gives us this gift, all we have to do is receive it. And how do we receive it? We receive it by faith. We receive it because we believe that he gave it to us. We believe that Jesus Christ died for our sins and that he, he rose on the third day. That's what we believe. We believe that he died for our sins, he rose on the third day, and that he is the Son of God. That's, that's our belief in a nutshell. And not only do we believe it, but we acted on that belief. We placed our trust in what God did for us. That's called faith. You see, you can believe something and never act on it, and because you didn't act on it, you have, didn't have faith. Because faith is belief plus action. And so by acting on what you believe, you, you are saved. And how can I act on it, you say? Well, it, the Bible tells us, if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thy heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. That's what the Bible teaches us. So you have to speak your belief. You have to speak your belief. You have to confess your belief that Jesus is the Son of God, that he died on the cross for your sins, and that he rose from the dead, that he is the Son of God. And if you believe that, a simple prayer, Father, in Jesus' name, I come confessing that I believe that Jesus is the Son of God, and I ask him to be my Savior. I repent of my sins. I turn away from what I used to do. I turn to you to receive the eternal life that I can get through Jesus Christ. And if you pray that simple prayer, you're saved. You are saved. That's, all, that's, that's what it takes right there. And then after that, I want you to do something if you pray that prayer. You want me to tell you what I want you to do? I want you to find another Christian, find a pastor or a church, and I want you to go to them, and I want you to say to them, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God, and I, I confess that, and I asked him to be my Savior, and, 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 and I'm saved. Now what do I do? And God has prepared those people, that individual, to receive you. God's prepared them. That's how God works. He doesn't have babies and just leave many old kind of way. No, he has somebody that's ready to explain salvation in much more detail than I have, and to help you begin to learn how to walk with the Lord. Just like we take little bitty babies and we stand them up on their little legs and we walk around with them and walk around till they get the strength to walk on their own. And then we train, we teach them and guide them where to go, where not to go, and how, how to go through life. It's the same thing with new Christians. We want to do the same thing for you. Okay? So if you would just do that. Uh, and if you made that confession, then go go tell somebody. Go tell another Christian. Amen? Okay. So tonight, we're going to dig in. Last week, we, um, we, we spent time in, I was supposed to be uh, explaining uh, chapter 22 and chapter, the first part of chapter 23, where David sang unto the Lord, and then the last words of David. And we went through that, and 
we worshiped through that and we we saw the many things that that David was saying through through that song. He was saying that my God is, my God hears, my God responds, my God delivers, my God rewards, my God guides me to victory, my God defeats the enemy, my God is worthy of praise, and I will praise the Lord. And then after that, the last words were. David worships because God has uh, honored the, the covenant that he's made with him. Uh, again, we go back, and as we go through these things, um, the one thing that I want to constantly remind you of is that this word is not in chronological order. And that's important that you understand it, and some of the things that you are seeing is repeated. Uh, for example, uh, when we look at... Um, when we look at uh, just just chapter 22, where David sings unto the Lord, if you look at that, you'll see that again in, in Psalm 18. So this is almost word for word Psalm 18. There's little variances, and we think that they're editorial variances. But anyway, those are just some of the technical things that you know I like to point out because the Bible is so fascinating to me. Anyway, let's look at... Um, Chapter 23 of 2 Samuel, verse 8. And in this, we explore David's mighty men. So, I, and there's a lot of point you, as you go through, as we go through this, you'll say, well, what's the purpose of this? What's the purpose of this? Okay, so these, you know, these, this, is, this is more like um, a, uh, you, put, you, you classify this even almost with the genealogies. Making a big mistake if you do that. Here, because I'm going to show you some stuff. Chapter 23, verse 8. These are the names of David's mighty men. Josheb Basherbeth, a Tachyomite, was the chief of the three. He raised his spear against 800 men whom he killed in one encounter. Next to him was Eleazar, son of Dodai, the Aohite. As one of the three mighty men, he was with David when they taunted the Philistines gathered at Pasdamin for battle. Then the men of Israel retreated, but he stood his ground and struck down the Philistine till his hand grew tired and froze to the sword. The Lord brought about a great victory that day. The troops returned to Eleazar, but only to strip the dead. Next to him was Shammah, son of Aji, the Hararite. When the Philistines banded together at a place where there was a field full of lentils, Israel's troops fed from, fled from them. But Shammah took his stand in the middle of the field. He defended it and struck the Philistines down, and the Lord brought about a great victory. During harvest time, three... I want to stop right there. I want to stop right there. Let me stop right there at verse 13. Let's go back and let's take a look, because these things are, 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 are interesting. First of all, look at verse... Um, look at verse 8b. Joshebasheth, a Teclamite, was chief of the three. He raised his spear against 800 men whom he killed in one account, encounter. Now, then look at Eleazar. He says, uh, I'll go down a little bit where it says, then the men of Israel retreated, but he stood his ground. Go down again to verse uh, 11. It says, when Shammah, son of A.G. the Herorite, when the Philistines banded together at a place where there was a field full of lentils, Israel's troops fled from them. But Shammah, what does he do? He takes his stand. Each one of these men have something in common. They stand in the midst of a battle. They stand when everyone else retreats. And 
what's interesting to me is that we as Christians have forgot how to stand. Now, what are they standing for? These men are standing, first of all, against. They stand against the incursion of the enemy. Secondly, they stand defending what God has given them. Now, let's, let's, let's work this a little bit. God has given us a mandate from the, be- from the beginning of creation. And the mandate that he gives us, the mandate that he gave us in the garden was to do what? Be fruitful, multiply, tend the land. We were detracted from our mission and we wound up getting kicked out of the garden. Fast forward. Abraham is taken to a land. The Israel receives the land. God gives them a command to what? Subdue the land. That's what that's what did he tell them? He says, he says, when they came into the promised land, what were they supposed to do? They were supposed to clear that land out of the enemy, tear down all those false gods, subdue the land. What did they wind up doing? Not that. As a matter of fact, they separated. Now what we have studied for the last year is how the tribes came together and how David led them to be a unified body, even through rebellions. And now we're looking at how it was done, and it wasn't David exclusively that did it. But God sent David some men who were willing to believe the word of the Lord and take a stand. And what we have here is God, you know, we've studied God working through David, but now what we're seeing is that it wasn't just David that God was working through. David was the leader, but he was surrounded by men and women, by the way. They didn't record what the women did. They didn't record what the women did, even though if we look back, especially in in um, uh, uh, First Samuel, that we saw some of the exploits of the women. If we look back in Judges, you, you always remember Deborah. So I mean, you know, I, I, we don't want to minimize the contribution of women in the Old Testament. It's just that a lot of what they did is not recorded. But here we have these men. And they are called mighty men. And what made a man, what qualified a man to be a mighty man was his exploit, his ability to to kill off the enemy. Because as as we look through this, what you'll see is everyone, the first one killed 800, the next one will kill less. And so that's how they're listed here. But What I want to say to you tonight is that God used these men who took a stand. And the question that I'm going to advance tonight as we study this book is, are you willing to stand your ground? Are you willing to be a man or woman of God who, in spite of of the odds, and each one of them are facing overwhelming odds, in spite of the odds, are you a man or woman of God that literally says, for God I live and for God I'll die? I'm taking my stand. That's the question. That's that's what we learn here. We learn that these men took a stand. 
and their stand was a stand based on what they believed belonged to them. I think sometimes that we have too many cowards in the kingdom, that we have too many selfish people in the kingdom, that we have too many people in our churches who, as they say, if it ain't nothing for me, then I ain't got nothing for them. And they're not standing on the word, they are standing on their flesh. Because literally, they're feeding their flesh. But these men, look, 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 look. I got. I, I mean, first of all, he he raises his spear and kills eight hundred men. I mean, that was a fighting boy. And then the other one, um, everybody. He stands. The next one, Eleazar. He stands. The battle don't look good, and so everybody runs off. And he said, "Man, I ain't running. I ain't running." I ain't got no rabbit in my blood. And he stands for God and fights the enemy. And by the time they get by the time he gets finished doing what he does, the only thing left for those cowards that ran was to come back and help him pick the stuff up. Strip the bodies of the men that he killed. And then here's this final one, Shammah, the son of A.G. the Harite. What does he do? He stands in a, in a field full of beans, and they want to take the beans. They want to take the field. They want to take the things that God has blessed the land with for, the, for Israel. And he said, y'all ain't taking my beans, man. And he stands there, and he fights. You see, uh, and there was, wait a minute, there was a, uh, hang on. I want to go to another, I want to go, NIV leaves something out that I, that is in my ESV. Let me, let me read this to you. Cause this, and maybe I, I read it in a second chronicles. I want to make sure that I got this right. Cause this was, this was important to me. I like, I like this. Uh. There it is. There, okay. There, I, it's there. I just missed it. Uh, in the second one where it says, and he uh, he fought till his hand grew tired and froze to the sword. In other words, this guy fought till he had a cramp in his hand and he couldn't move the sword. Now, that's a fight, ain't it? I'm, I'm getting some. I'm, I'm going slow, but I'm getting somewhere. Go to verse 13. During harvest time, Three of the thirty chief men came down to David at the at the cave of Adullam, while a band of Philistines were encamped in the valley of the Rephaim. At that time, David was in the stronghold, and the Philistine garrison was at Bethlehem. David longed for water and said, Oh, that someone would get me a drink of water from the well near the gate of Bethlehem. So the three mighty men broke through the Philistine lines, drew water from the well near the gate of Bethlehem, and carried it back to David. But he refused to drink it. Instead, <clears throat> he poured it out before the Lord. Far be it from me, O Lord, to do this, he said. Is it not the blood of men who went at the risk of their lives, and David would not drink it? What happened was David is down in the stronghold. He's in one of the caves of Abdullam. The Philistines are attacking him. They've got him surrounded. And it looks like that, that, you know, they're going to try one of their basic strategies of starve them out. There's no water. David got thirsty. And these three men, and he says, I want me a drink of water. And these three men, they, figured, they fought their way through the enemy lines, went 25 miles to Bethlehem, got the water, and then fought their way back. David realized what he had in his hand. He realized that these men had literally put their lives on the line, put their blood on the line. And David says, I'm not worthy of this. Only God is worthy of such devotion. And so he pours it out as a drink offering. 
And when he pours it out, what he's literally doing, because water meant life, he's literally pouring out his life and saying, my life is not worth this. And I give it all back to you, O God, because only you are deserving of such devotion. And that's the key word here. The devotion that these men had to the king and to the calling of the king. I'm going somewhere with this. I'm going somewhere. But I gotta get through I gotta get through it before I can put all the pieces together. So such were the exploits of the three mighty men. Abishai, I'm at verse eighteen, the brother of Joab, son of Zeruah, was the chief of the three. Now, wait a minute, hold on. Why wouldn't Abishai be included with the three? Well, basically because, again, it was based upon how many, how many folks they had killed. And Abishai didn't rank in there. But Abishai's courage and service is here acknowledged to be even greater than that of the three. He was the chief of the three. He wasn't counted in the three, but he was their chief. Why was that? Why was that? Look, he says, he raised his spear against 300 men whom he killed, and so he became as famous as the three. Was he not held in greater honor than the three? He became their commander, even though he was not included among them. Now, let's go back and just, just off the top of our head. Think about Abishai. Abishai, Ashiel, and Joab are brothers. These are David's nephews. They are the sons of Zeruah. Ashiel early on gets killed. Okay, remember in his in his battle with Abner? Ashiel is killed. Joab, we won't find his name mentioned in this even though Joab was the commander. And I believe that Joab is not mentioned simply because Joab was deceitful and treacherous and he did not follow orders. And the final, the final straw was Joab was the one who disobeyed the order and he killed Absalom during the rebellion. Remember that. Now, but Abishai, Every time you look up and there's a battle, Abishai is in the middle of it. Um, just, just really off the top of my head, that when David is trying to put down that revolt of Absalom and the, um, the rebel, uh, that, that one rebel goes out and he, and he uh, um, Sheba, and Sheba goes out and rebels and tries to get the rebellion uh, going again. Who leads the army that goes after Sheba? Now remember that um, um, that David is going to appoint a new commander who's who's uh, oh what's that guy's name that he that he appointed? Uh, what is his name? What is his name? What is his name? Mm, 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 because he deposed Amasa. Amasa, that's his name, Amasa. He, he, he appoints Amasa, Joab kills Amasa, and when Amasa doesn't show up quick enough, actually, when Amasa doesn't show up quick enough, who does David get? He says, Abishai, take and go get Sheba. In, uh, when, 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 they're, um, when they're surrounded in another battle, Abishai leads one group of the, the uh, army, and helps secure victory. So Abishai is one who is always there, who is always fighting, who has been loyal to David from beginning to end. And so he is literally seen as greater, or the leader of the three. Now let's keep going. Benaniah, son of Jehodiah, was a valiant fighter from Kabiz who performed great exploits. He struck down two of Moab's best men. He also went down into a pit on a snowy day 
and killed a lion, and he struck down a huge Egyptian, although the Egyptian had a spear in his hand. Benaniah went against him with a club. He snatched the spear from the Egyptian's hand and killed him with his own spear. Such were the exploits of Benaniah, son of Jehodiah. He too was, a fam- was a f- as famous as the three mighty men. He was held in greater honor than any of the 30. See how, see how this is going? But he was not included among the three, and David put him in charge of his bodyguard. Now, go back to Benaniah for a second. What is important here is here's a guy who takes a stand. He takes it, Two of his stands are recorded. The, the latter one was against an Egyptian. Now, there are no records of... Um, Israel fighting Egypt. So we think this is an Egyptian mercenary who has joined forces. Good evening. Um, uh, who has joined forces, uh, maybe the Amorites or the Ammonites or somebody or the Moabites, somebody that he's, that he's, that he's fighting. But this huge Egyptian stands up against Israel and Benaniah takes a stand against him and he just go up with, with his clothes and take the dude's spear and kill him. But what's even more interesting is that there's a lion in the cistern that is going to pollute the water, and no one knows what to do about this lion. And so what Benaniah does is he just jump down in there and kill him. Because again, the water is precious. God gave them the water, and now this lion is trying to pollute the the water source. If there is no water, there could be death. And so Benaniah just basically said, not only defends against men, but he also defends against animals. He takes a stand. Here, the finally. Among the 30 were Ashiel, the brother of Joab. We talked about Ashiel before and how he died early on. Elhanahan, son of Dodo from Bethlehem. Shammah, the Herodite. Elikah, the Herodite. Helez, the Palatite. Ira, son of Ikish from Tekoya. Abiezar from Anathoth. Melbuna, the Hushite. Zalman, the Ahoite. Mahara, the Nephthophite. Helez, son of Bala the Neophyte, Ittai, son of Ribiah from Gibeah in Benjamin, Benaniah the Parathite, Haji from the ravings of Gash, Abi Alban the Arabite, Asmavet the Barhumite, Elahaba the Shalbonite, the sons of Jason, Jonathan, son of Shama the Hararite, that's one I can get right, Ahiram, son of Shara the Hararite, Eliphalet, son of Abishi, the Makathite, Eliam, son of Ahitophel, the Gilanite. Remember Ahitophel, counselor? Hezro, the Carmelite, Pera, the Arabite, Egal, son of Nathan from Zorba, the son of Hagri, Zelek, the Ammonite, Nahari, the Birophite, the armor-bearer of Joab, Son of Zerulah, Ara the Itherite, Gerab the Itherite, and Uriah the Hittite. There were 37 in all. These men were valiant warriors in the kingdom. These men were the ones that stood their ground and alongside David protected kingdom drove out the enemy took what belonged to them and then subdued the enemy in their own lands these men were used by God to accomplish his purpose. And that's great that's great to hear that, isn't it? 
I mean, all when we, we look at, at these stories and we see, you know, that these men of old stood and did a wonderful work for the Lord and we can rejoice and we can praise God and we could just get happy about the things they did, imagining what they did. But God didn't just leave this word for us to imagine what somebody else did. For he is the same God yesterday, today, and forevermore. And he gave them the orders to subdue the land. And he gave Jesus a commission, and he says, go reclaim mankind. And Jesus comes to destroy the works of the devil, to set the captives free. He comes with the commission, and he says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. You see, he has purposed me. He has empowered me for the task of bringing deliverance to mankind, to set captives free, to set the prisoners free, to preach the day of salvation. He tells us, that, and, and he goes further, he says to us that we are to go into all the world, advancing the kingdom of God. What does that sound like? We are to go into the world and we are to take back, to subdue, to bring in order this land for Jesus Christ. And you say, okay, so connect me. We have to take a stand. We are, we are commissioned to do what the mighty men did. Well, you say, well, well I'm not, that's the pastor's job. No, it's not. No, it's not. He's a, he's a participant in it. He plays a leadership role in it. But you are the mighty men and women of God who have a, a battle to fight. And the problem is this, is that we've gotten so far away from our mission and we've gotten so distracted that we have literally given away our might. We have given away the opportunity to make a stand. And what are we standing for? Well, Jesus asked the question of the disciples several times, and he says, he, and, and, and this was his biggest complaint. He would always say the same thing. He says, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Oh, ye of little faith. Ours is a stand of faith. Ours is a stand that says, I believe what God said, and so by faith I'm going to do it. The mighty men that we read about, what did, what did they do? They stood their ground and they fought. But, but preacher, ain't no lions in our water. Uh, there's no Philistines coming after me. So what are you talking about? Why is your home under bondage? Why is your child on drugs? Why is your son in jail? Why is your husband in somebody else's arms? Why is your church voting your pastor out? Why don't Sister Sarah... Speak to 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 to, to mother uh, 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 mother Bessie because we have allowed the enemy to come into our homes, to come into our churches, to come on our jobs and take our stuff because we have not stood our ground. We have not stood in faith. That's what's happened 
Look, let me show you something in Jude chapter. Let me show you something in Jude. Go back to Revelations for those of you who, you know, don't have one of them fancy phones and use that thing. Go to Revelations and then go one book forward. Or go to 1, 2, 3, John, and you'll see Jude after that. I want to show you something. Jude, in his writing, he says something like this, and he just... I mean, he describes it so well that it's just ridiculous. He says, "I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to read at verse three, and I'm going to, I'm going to make my case now that, and I'm telling you now, this is, this, this is what we're standing for, and this is what we're standing against, and these are the conditions that we're facing right now." It says, verse three, dear friends, although I was very eager to write to you about the salvation we share. I felt I had to write and urge you to, hear me good now, and urge you to contend for the faith. Let me stop right there. To contend for the faith, it basically means to fight for what you believe in, the actions that you take based upon what you believe. The actions that you took in the past based on what you believe concerning the word of God, you need to fight for that. So he says, contend for the faith that was once for all entrusted to the saints. What was entrusted to the saints? The word of God was entrusted to us. The message of God, the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news that says what we believe in. What do we believe? We believe that Jesus is the Son of God. We believe that he died for our sins. We believe that he rose on the third day. And because we believe that, we gave our hearts and our lives over to him, and we spread the word of God. We live according to the word of God. We live in expectation of him coming back again. And that's why we tell you what we tell you. And Jude is saying here, contend for the faith. Fight for that. Why? Because it was entrusted to you, to the saints. Now look at verse 4. For certain men whose condemnation was written about long ago, have secretly slipped in among you. They are godless men who change the grace of our God into a license for immorality and deny Jesus Christ, our only sovereign and Lord. Though you already know all this, I want to remind you that the Lord delivered his people out of Egypt, but later destroyed those who did not believe, and the angels who did not keep their positions of authority, but abandoned their own home, these he has kept in darkness, bound with everlasting chains for judgment on the great day. In a similar way, Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding towns gave themselves up to sexual immorality and perversion. They serve as an example of those who suffer the punishment of eternal fire. In the very same way, these dreamers pollute their own bodies, reject authority, and slander celestial beings. But even the archangel Michael, when he was disputing with the devil about the body of Moses, did not dare bring slander, a slanderous accusation against him, but said, the Lord rebuke you. Yet these men speak abusively against whatever they do not understand and what things they do understand by instinct like unreasoning animals. They, these are the very things that destroy them. Woe to them. They have taken the way of Cain. They have rushed for profit into Balaam's era. They have been destroyed in Korah's rebellion. Now, I can keep going and talk about the blemishes and all that, but I got other things that I got to cover off on. Look, let me tell you something. If we look around and see, it's real easy for us to, to point at the man in the center of the pulpit and say, yeah, that's that pastor. But I dare you to go back and read that and insert your name in there. I dare you to go back and look at your life. And see what what you have done, and the okie doke that is, as they say, that you've been tricked with. I dare you to ask yourself, when was the last time that I told somebody that Jesus is the Son of the Living God? 
When was the last time that I shared the good news with somebody? Even in our churches right now, what's the theme of, of most of our church services? What are we hearing across the pulpit week in and week out? The Lord going to bless you. The Lord going to bless you. The Lord going to bless you. If you do this, then God's going to do that. Is that what the saith the Lord? I mean, God's blessing us all over the place. Of course he does. We're his children. But are we blessing God with our obedience? Are we blessing God with our faithfulness? Are we blessing God by taking a stand for what we, what we believe in and not only taking that stand, but going further and saying to the devil, you ain't getting nothing here. We're quick to say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Is your house really serving the Lord? Or is that just conversation? You see, we have to challenge ourselves as men and women of God to be men and women of God. Mighty men just don't talk to talk. They walk the walk. And so, how do we walk the walk? We do battle for God. How do we do battle for God? We stand our ground. We do not let Satan have one inch in our lives, in our home, in our churches. Go to Ephesians 6. We, we, you know, we're quick to quote these, these, these passages of Scripture, but we have to be not only hearers of the word, but doers of the word. Let me start connecting some stuff and, and giving you some, some things that you can do and be really, really practical tonight. First of all, what's in your house that got no business being in? What's in there? Then it's time for you to get it out. What's in you that has no business being there? Then it's time for it to come out. What kind of behaviors? I mean, some people say, ooh, you know, uh, 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 I, I, they made me cuss them out. How's somebody going to make you cuss somebody out? You, you're supposed to have control of your tongue. You're supposed to be filled with the Holy Ghost. He's supposed to have control over you. So, so in other words, you're telling the Holy Ghost, Sit to the side right now. I got some business to take care of. No, uh, mighty woman, mighty man of God. That is not, uh, uh, no, 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 no. We overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. And if your testimony is, I cussed them out, that is not a good testimony. Mm -mm, no. No, 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 no. Okay, I'm, I'm getting there. I'm getting, I'm getting to the point. You see, because now, or your pastor. Let me, let me, let me, let me pick on pastors tonight. I happen to be one, so let, I'm gonna pick on my group of people. Okay. When your pastor is in error, when you see your pastor going down, are you an Abishai, or are you the one? that's looking to call the committee together to put the knife in his heart. Ooh. I, when you see that the giant is about to overwhelm your pastor, when you see that the giants are coming after your leadership, when you see that the giants have overwhelmed, uh, trying to overwhelm your husband, do you call the committee together and say, he got to go? Do you just call the lawyer and say, it's time for him to give me half of what he got and me and my kids go on? Or are you Abishai? Do you let Nabal just David come and kill Nabal? Or do you tell the servants, Pack some stuff up on that mule, and we've got to go and intercede. 
You see, if you are who God called you to be, not just outside of the kingdom to advance the kingdom, but within the kingdom, within your home, within your church, then what you do is you get in an intercessory position because you know what's going down. Your pastor didn't fall for the okie-doke on his own. He got tricked. The devil been working on him. The devil understands that if I can cause destruction at the head, I can destroy the whole body. And so you, almighty man, you, almighty woman, have to get into a position to stand your ground. Your husband ain't out there lusting after somebody. Your wife ain't out there uh, doing the wrong thing because she won't to. It's a spirit that's been assigned to her. It's some spirit that's been assigned to them to bring them to a point of destruction, to take their faith and, and make mockeries of it. And so Jude says, you got to contend for the faith. And how do you contend for the faith? Ephesians 6.10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the full armor of God so that you can what? Take your stand against the devil's schemes. Understand that behind all of this is the devil and one of his schemes, and you have to be willing to take a stand. Now, look, look, look what it says. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of the dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Just like the mighty men took their, their stand against the Philistines and all the enemies that were coming against them in the land, you've got to take your stand against all of these wicked forces that come against you, that come against your house, that come against your church, you've got to take a stand. Therefore, put on the whole armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you have done everything to stand. You see, in, in the King James Version, it says, after you have withstood, then stand. After you have got the victory, that's what that means, after you have got the victory because you stood on the word of God, then still stand and be ready for him to come back again. Because just as Jesus faced the devil in the wilderness, what does it say at the end? And the devil left him for a more convenient time. You see, this is, this is one of them fights that we fight till the end. But we stand. And the reason why our, we're so defeated in so many places is because we, keep, we don't stand on the word of God because we don't know the word of God or we refuse to believe the word of God, or we listening to these tricksters out here who basically form in lines and say, give me 50 more dollars, and the Lord going to bless you. The Lord has already blessed you. He's blessed you with power and authority, and what you have to do is you've got to get up and put your clothes on and get in the fight and stand, stand, stand. You ain't getting my daughter. You're not getting my son. You can't have my husband. You can't have my church. You will not sow dissension in here, and you will get down on your knees, and you will stand. Stand firm, then, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet filled with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. I preach a sermon just on, just on that little bit right there. Look, you are equipped to fight. Now you might look around and say, well, I ain't this and I ain't that. Yes, you are and then some. 
You are a child of God with an anointing on your life. You are a child of God whom Jesus has said, Behold, I give you power over serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. You are a child of God, and Jesus is sitting at the right hand of God, interceding for you, saying, Go on, boy, you can do it. Go on, girl, you can do it. You have the authority of God. You can speak by faith. And it says, if you have faith the size of a mountain, a mustard seed, you could say to yonder mountain, be thou removed and be cast into the sea. You, if you stand and contend for the faith, all things are possible to them that believe. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. So you got trouble in your home? I wouldn't worry about it. I pray. I would begin to command. I would begin to rebuke. I would begin to tell Satan, the Lord rebuke you. I've got the authority. I cast you out of here. Depression, lay hands on yourself and say, I cast this depression out. We have to get to the point where we stop being such willy-nilly, namby-pamby, Scared of our own shadow, let the devil take stuff from us anytime he wants to and stick a piece of candy in our mouth and for $50 or $100 or whatever little line, what some of them line prophets out there saying, and stand on the word of God to advance the word of God to all nations, to take our homes back, to take our schools back. How do we do it? By taking a stand. Ain't no need you moving from Chicago to the suburbs. And ain't no need of the people that's in the suburbs moving farther out into the woods. They were just waiting for you there too. So if you're going to fight, fight now. Fight now by spreading the gospel. Fight now by spreading the love of God. Fight now by, as they say, wrestling with the devil. We're so used to people handing us stuff. Nobody handing you nothing. Only thing they're giving out these days, the only thing the devil giving out is a good butt whooping. Taking your stuff. Running your children off. Got them acting crazy. Uh-uh. No more of that foolishness. If you are who God called you to be and God calls you mighty, he has instilled in you power and ye shall receive power when the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Are you full of the Holy Ghost? Then you're full of power. If you're not full of the Holy Ghost, get full of the Holy Ghost. All you got to do is ask him, feel me, Lord. Feel me. Feel me till I won't no more. God has appointed and anointed you. Not just the Davids. He's appointed you. So what do you do? Pray for your pastor. Pray for your house. Contend. What does it say? Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Get in your word. And pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. You ready to stand your ground? You stand your ground by getting on your knees. You stand your ground by getting in your word. You stand your ground by contending for the faith. You take the ground and advance the kingdom by sharing your faith. Don't you want to be listed as with the mighty men and women of God? Don't you want to get your servant well done and and be designated as a mighty man or woman of faith? Don't you want to just, me, I just want to be seen as faithful. Just faithful. God, just make me faithful. Faithful to your word and faithful to your way. Let me live a life of faith that brings illumination 
everywhere I go. Let me be the light that you told me I was. Let me be the salt that you have anointed me to be. Let me be the change agent that that, that brings light in dark places and, and preserves the places that I am and brings flavor to the situation. That's what I want to be. I want to be the one who takes a stand. I want my record to show when I leave here that I left here Standing on the word of God, that I didn't fall, that I didn't falter, that I stuck with the word, and I lived the word of God faithfully. Don't you want that to be your testimony? Look, even right now, I'm fighting for my family. Yes, I am. Yes, I am. When I see something coming up on my family, I'm praying. I'm on it. And not only am I praying, but I'm saying, hey, that's not the way of the Lord. That's not the way of the Lord. Here's the way of the Lord. This is the way we should be going here. Mm -hmm. And I ain't trying to put nobody out my house or nothing like that. I'm putting the devil out. My family stays. The devil got to go. My wife, she stays. She ain't going nowhere. She had too many clothes in that club. She had to move all them clothes, so she stuck. <laughs> And I know she's listening, too. I'm going to stop messing with her because I, I got to go in there and try to pull a couple with her later on. Anyway, but that's our lesson for tonight. Take a stand. Stand your ground. Stand in the position that God has given you. Stand, stand, stand. And having done all, stand. Join with the mighty men. Join with mighty women of old. And stand and contend for the faith. Well, that's all the time I have tonight. I praise God for each of you. I pray that you'd go back and just reread the passages that we that we uh, went through tonight, and that was that would be Second um, Samuel twenty three, um, then uh, Jude three, and Ephesians six, starting at verse ten. Those are just, and I try to keep it. It it I know it's hard to see certain things, and God reveals them that we're not, we're doing more running and standing. So you know, I, but go back and read those, pray over those, and then begin to take the stand. Stand just like the Lord told us to do. Uh, it says one can chase a thousand, two can chase ten thousand. Get with your husband, get with your wife, get with your prayer partner, and then begin to take back what the devil stole. Taking back your homes and taking back your communities and taking back your churches, praying peace over, speaking priest, peace over your church, up, upholding your pastor. Oh man, I I just can't I can't I can't stress that enough because I mean he's being attacked and she's being attacked every which way, but they they need an Abishai that when the giant is coming in on them that they step in there and they whoop that giant and get that stuff off of them. Cover your past in prayer. Cover your leadership in prayer. That used to be something that the deacons did a good job of, and I'm so I'm so grateful to have been raised around a bunch of great deacons who who not only prayed for me uh, in the past, but still pray for me to this very day, who keep me covered. I'm so grateful that I have a wife who knows how to pray and knows my tendencies and knows my stupidity and will cover me in prayer and keep me covered in prayer. And when the giant is coming in on me, uh, in, in whatever way, sometimes they come in, you know, try to attack my health, and sometimes they try to attack me with, you know, depressing spirits and all that. I'm so glad I got a woman that will stand up and just fight. I mean, my wife can thump straight up. I'm so glad I got children who know how to thump. I'm so glad that they jump in the fight and they don't make me fight by myself. 
but instead they get in there and they get to praying for their father and their husband. And I got pre- people in the land and brothers and sisters and that, that they will pray for me all the time. You got to have that. You need to be a part of that. And even tonight, you know what I ask you to do? I'm going to pray for y'all. Y'all pray for me too. Amen. So now let's pray and let's get out of here. I'm a little bit over time. Eternal God, our Father, we thank you that you commend us to stand our ground and contend for the faith. Master, fill us with holy boldness. Father, don't just let us play defense, but let's play some offense for a change. Let's kick him out of our wealth. Let's kick him out of our homes. Let's bring joy in the land. Father, we pray that we will fight until till the enemy is just thoroughly defeated, and that our worship services and our times of worship be true festivals of joy, honoring all that you have enabled us to do. God, we thank you. We praise you. Now tell us and empower us and remind us and keep us standing. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, bless God, that's it for the night. And I will see you next Wednesday as we, uh, I think, no, we still, we're probably about two weeks away from completing this book. But I'll see you out here and we're going to keep going till we finish. And then, guess what? There's plenty of Bible left to go to. And our next series will be on Acts. Be blessed. Have a wonderful evening. And thank you for being with me tonight on the Word on Wednesday. Bless you. Bye-bye. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.